Hello and welcome to the Pillow Talk Podcast, brought to you by Local River Production. Now here are your hosts, Nick and Bill. When you say all right, it makes me feel all right. All right, Nick. Hello, welcome. Live from welcome Skype to the Pillow Talk podcast. Yeah, from the Pillow Talk studios <laughs> in our in our your basement in my kitchen. Yes. Yeah. Um. Welcome everybody to Pillow Talk. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, uh, rehashing what we just said. Uh, episode ninety-five. Episode ninety-five. Yeah, crazy. Uh. So we were talking. Uh, we said that we had some stuff we wanted to talk about. Oh yeah, because um, we haven't talked in a long time. No, it's um, part of the, my mood problem. The last two weeks, I think, is that we haven't done this in like a month. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so today, for me, has been uh, the only way to describe it is a series of unfortunate events. Oh no! Uh, I don't know if you can see that I have a mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the first time you've had a mustache either. I feel like that's important uh, to note. No. So, okay. So here's the story. Um, so, one, we live in this era where technology is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, technology is stupid. And uh, so I have one of those Philip Norelco one blade razors. Okay. Um, I'm going to pull this out so I can hear the volume of my voice, uh, that, that, sha- that, you know, I shave with. And so I got done shaving like my cheek and like right here under my chin oh. today. Cause I had a really long beard longer than normal. And I just didn't, I was like, oh, I look kind of homeless. I should shave. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. And so I got to hear when your boss starts I- to wonder if you've given up, that's when <laughs> it's time to shave. Yeah, exactly. Or to admit that you've given up. They just uh, they just thought that I was just participating in early no shave November and I grow <laughs> well, a hunting beard. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what they said. And so I got I got to like right under my chin on the right side of my face, and it died. Oh no! So so it died, but I'm like, okay, this is fine. Like I have to have a razor somewhere. Nope. Apparently, <laughs> have no razors anywhere. Um. So I had to use my wife's razor, the lady, the lady Gillette, or yeah, yeah, which contours my face very well, and, and I had to shave the rest of my face, but it was pulling, and so I was like, well, I'm not going to do that to my lip hair, I'm just going to have a mustache, and nobody, nobody will, it'll be fine, nobody will notice, right? <laughs> so I get into work, and we're having it. We have a meeting every Wednesday, and so I was sitting down in my chair. And a guy from down down the hallway, like down the hallway, uh-huh. steps out of his office to come to the meeting, and he looks at he looks and he goes Nick, and I'm like oh god I was like I was like yeah and he's like I can see that mustache from all the way down here oh no <laughs> you didn't even make it out of your meeting I didn't uh, he made it two steps out of his door probably yeah I mean he was a good length away. Um, 
like probably from your back door to where your kid's play set is. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. so uh, 30 feet. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I was like, oh, man. And then everybody else started commenting on it. And I was like, geez. <laughs> and they you're were just, like, Nick, can't wait on any kids today. Rude. <laughs> oh, no. And so I was like, oh. So I had to tell everybody the story. Uh, that was one. And then two, I went to lunch and I went to freaking unbelievable burger because I kind of live or work by there. How is and, that, by uh, the way? Are they the burgers freaking unbelievable? Uh, they're amazing. They're like the best burgers I've ever had. Okay. But today I got the chicken tenders. Not a sponsor of the podcast. No, but they could be. Uh, today I got chicken tenders, five chicken tenders for like six bucks. Not a bad deal. Big chicken tenders. Okay. I was going to say if they're small ones like Burger King, you got taken. No, uh, no. So I got just regular chicken tenders. So they ended up giving me something called hemp chicken tenders <laughs> that are fried in hemp with uh, with hemp seed breading. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, yeah. And I got to my car. <laughs> I got to my car. And, uh, and, and, and I noticed when I got in my car and I was like, yeah, whatever. But I opened the bag. The bag kind of smelled like weed. <laughs> oh, no. So... I had to eat these tenders because I was already kind of driving away. And you'd paid for them. Yeah, and I paid for them. And they were the same price as regular tenders. So it's not like I got, like, pay. I like I paid, like, an absorbent amount more for these what's known as hemp tenders. So I ate those. Didn't and then all day I was that paranoid was that my breath smelled like I ate some pot. You're going to nick with the edibles again. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so that was my day. Nice. Mine wasn't mm-hmm. anywhere near that fun. No? No. No, I had to leave a note on some guy's car that he parked in the wrong spot. Oh. Parked in the wrong parking lot. Oh. Yeah, no. that was that was my day. It's I died a little inside. Was it somebody I know? No, it was just some random dude. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I still died a little inside when I did it. Yeah. So like, I understand this parking lot's completely empty, but you're not allowed to park here. Yeah. You need we to have park in that one. Yeah, there are unwritten rules that you have no way of knowing. <laughs> which is why I'm leaving you this note instead of taking the drastic action of towing your vehicle. <laughs> anyway. Was that a compromise that you guys came to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, it, was it, hey, look, we're going to just tow his vehicle. No, oh just leave him a gosh. note. <laughs> it's why you always leave a note, Nick. Yeah, yeah. You always leave a note. Always leave a note. That's why you always leave. Me. Oh man. Okay, so um, I wanted to talk to you about this. What could potentially be dreadful new Joker movie? I'm interested in it. Oh my gosh. I I, I just don't Let's know talk. what to think. Let's talk. What do you? Okay, so so we haven't seen much of of this Joker movie. Nope. At all, except for some stills and this weird, creepy dude transforming into the Joker. Yep. Ugh. I don't know. I'm I not... will tell you why I'm still into it. Okay. And, I, and I've kind of already told you this. So, we don't know the context of the Joker makeup. That's true. It could be, this This could be, if you remember, um, the Joker is the reason that, uh, isn't the Joker the reason that Robin's parents died at the circus? Or is that Two Face? Uh, I think that's one. No, it wouldn't be Two Face. Um, I think that's one of the retcons that they did. Yeah. So, for all we know, this could be retcon him. being for those who aren't aware. 
retroactive continuity where so, a comic book goes back and explains something that happened in the long past but makes up like a reason for it that you wouldn't have known before. I'm trying or, to think Oh, that happened. We just watched the new Jurassic Park. Ah. Uh and there was a retcon. They retcon something? They did. They retconned John Hammond's original um original experiments with the dinosaur DNA. Oh. And my wife was like, wait a minute, they never told us that. And I was like, no, that's called a retcon. <laughs> like, and this is like Captain America being frozen in ice during World War II. Not in the original comic book, but they retconned <laughs> it. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. So this could be the, um, for all we know, this could be him at the circus mm-hmm. planting the bombs. I guess that's true. Stuff. Um. I mean, the more likely idea is that that's his makeup. Yeah, and this that's is just the makeup gonna, they're going. The movie's with. gonna suck, and the movie's gonna suck. <laughs> uh, I only say that because it's DC, and DC at this point has proven completely incapable of doing anything that even. Well, I haven't seen the Wonder Woman movie, which, from what I hear, is the only thing that's even I watchable. Heard that's the only good thing that's came from this. But I'm still behind the Wonder Woman movie, and I have not brought myself to watch Justice League yet. That movie wasn't bad. You saw Justice League. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I saw that on my uh, my hiatus from work. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I feel like I need to watch Wonder Woman first to get her origin story out of the way before I watch Justice League. No, you don't really need Even to. Even though I've seen the Superman movie and the stupid Batfleck movie. You don't really need to. Um, it's uh, just Justice League wasn't bad for what it was. I mean... It wasn't like great. Like it wasn't like, oh man, I can't wait to see. Like I can't wait to watch that again. No, sure. but it wasn't bad. But but yeah. So I don't know. I, I all signs point to this movie's gonna be crap. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's possible. I mean, that it's I, not. I, I mean, on the bright I, side, I mean, it's it's not Jared Leto Joker makeup. Mm-hmm. So I guess if I'm gonna look for a positive there. It's not that. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you've got a just different iteration of the Joker. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I, I reserve, reserve the right to, to skepticism until I actually hear him talk. <laughs> I mean, when I hear him talk, if he talks like Jared Leto's Joker, yeah, then I'll walk out of whatever I'm... <laughs> I'll walk out of the room I'm watching it in. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, I think you're right. Hey, we just got a note that our guest is ready to join. Yay. So hold on, hold on a second. We're going to just pause here and get our uh, get our guest connected. We'll be right back. So enjoy Uh Oh, enjoy the spoiler alert sounder. Yeah, that's it. Enjoy the spoiler alert sounder. Yeah, that was yeah, good good times. Okay, um, mm-hmm. uh, hello everybody. Here we are. But oh, together welcome again. back. Together again. Mm-hmm. We have Jeremy with us now. Hello, with everybody. 
we're Hello? together. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Nick. Uh, uh, you're welcome. Now, <laughs> now, now, Nick, did you actually watch Baby Driver? I did. Ah, uh, okay. I did. I don't know how. Ye, ye of little faith, you don't give the man enough credit. No, nope. oh, I've not watched a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, we had we had one movie where you were watching it as we were reviewing it. First of all, that movie sucked. <laughs> Which and one it was, was Suicide it? Suicide Squad. Oh, that's right. Oh. We, I was literally finishing it as we were starting the podcast, and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty bad. Yes. Okay, so um, to catch everybody up, uh, in episode 90, hell, I think 93, 92, I don't even remember anymore. I think it was 93. We talked about Baby Driver because we were talking about music and movies. And Jeremy, you threw this one out and you were like, did you guys see Baby Driver? And we were like, what are are you talking about? No one worry about what's going on. What are you Anyway, continue. Oh, good Lord. Um, So then we watched it. Mm-hmm. Now, so Jeremy, you obviously love the movie. Yes, and I'm very glad for the invite here because it gave me an excuse while I was walking through the DVD section of Target and I saw the Blu-ray for 15 bucks. I just was <laughs> able to essentially write it off on my taxes as a business purchase for the preparation <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what the IRS says when I try to claim it. But oh well. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it costs like 150 bucks to file business taxes, so you're going to lose every bit of that. Uh, right. <laughs> yes, I'll have to eat it then. <laughs> um, but that's what I. I mean, I'd bought it on the recommendation of a guy at work who was like, "Oh, there's this movie, Baby Driver. You need to watch it." And I think I saw it on Amazon for you know like nine or ten bucks on Black Friday, and so I ordered it. And my wife was like, "What are you buying that movie for?" And I'm like, "Oh, I heard it's really, really good." Yeah, and she's like, of course, you're never going to watch it. I um, I told people at work that I I was watching it for the podcast, and they were like, oh, that movie's great. Like everybody that had watched it was like, that is a great movie. You're going to mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of in the same boat. Um, my wife actually picked it up as a rental from the public library in town, and she just <laughs> brought it home one day. And I had heard so many good things about it. Every like, kind of the same thing. Everybody that I talked to said it was so great. Mm-hmm. But I am not. I think I mentioned this when we were talking about it before that I am not a big heist car chase movie kind of guy. So it's not sure. really in my wheelhouse. I could, ex- you know, accept the fact that people said it was really good, and I'm sure it is. Just didn't have much of an interest. And she brought it home, and we popped it in one night after the kids went to bed. And by the end of it, I was kind of sitting on the edge of my seat, and between <laughs> listening to the soundtrack and watching the movie and all the twists and turns of it, it, it really was great. And I don't know that it kind of broke me into that genre or anything like that but you it's can, not a gateway you can take drug. It, no you, you can take any kind of movie that's that good and recognize it for being a movie that's that good regardless of whatever the genre is so definitely yeah it um i can tell you that i watched it on i don't remember what day of the week it was but it was one night uh after everybody at my house had gone to sleep so it was one of those weeknight nights you know monday tuesday night or whatever and i watched it and i watched it again that weekend with my wife <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like, this movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it's amazing for a whole bunch of reasons. But, I mean, Nick, I guess just what did you think of it? I was – so I was kind of in the same way that you were, Jeremy. I was I was like, oh, you know, I'm not really into, like, the heist movies, stuff like that. Um, okay, but, it looked okay. In, but you liked Ant-Man. Well, I liked Ant-Man. But that which was, is a heist movie. But it had that Marvel 
It had Did the you ever Marvel see the Italian element. job? With Donnie Wahlberg and Charlize Theron back, you know, nope. I, I, I think ago. you mixed up your Wahlbergs nope. there a bit. Mark Wahlberg, whatever. It's either the one that's in Transformers or the one that owns the burger place. No, that's Actually, the other they're, one. They're the same. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Some Wahlberg. Look, all I remember um, is that Charlize have, Theron's in it. I didn't see the Italian job. No. Okay. Um, but I liked, but I liked Ant Man because it was like more comedy than heist. And, and, and it I mean, it was a good heist movie and it had the Marvel element. So it had other things that attracted me to it, but this one, you know, when I'd saw it, I was like, Oh, this looks, oh, it looks cool. I probably won't watch it because I don't like heist movies. But then when everybody said it's such a great movie and all this, um, you know, I kind of, I was like, I got to see what this is all about. Um, and I was in from, from the beginning, like when, just the opening of yeah. the movie, mm-hmm. that six-minute opening scene, uh, is uh, is insane. Oh, it's and, and as soon as the music started playing, when he was just in the car and he was just by himself, and I was like, mm-hmm. "This is going to be a great movie." Like the windshield wipers. Yeah, yep. I was like, I was like, "This is going to be, this is going to be great." Like I, I, there's very few mo- movies that I know from like that moment, like the beginning. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good one. But that was that was it. I think the thing that got me with that initial scene was that there was no there was no dialogue at all. No. You know, it's like John Barenthal went whoa 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 at one point, and like that was all the dialogue. And yet the story was told, and you knew exactly what was happening. Yeah, like the ability to move a story along without using words was was really really great mm-hmm. yeah that was one of the better opening scenes that I have seen in a long time and that was one of the things that I kept thinking about as I watched the movie again earlier today just kind of wanting to keep it fresh is the whole idea of the way that that story evolves over time because it, you start out in that opening scene, and yeah, there's no dialogue, but you also have, um, what is it, John Spencer Blues Explosion, uh, mm-hmm. Bell Bottoms playing while that whole car chase is going on, and it kind of makes it surreal. It doesn't seem like there's actually a violent crime happening. It's, it's you know, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, it takes it, you out of it. Right, it takes you out of it, and it keeps it, you're, you're rooting for the bad guys because the vibe of the music is putting things out there in a really positive way, and as I watched it again, it's it's this whole evolution that happens as you go from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie is that it starts out so it, – it's all about crime. It's all about mm-hmm. violent crime. But it mm-hmm. starts out in such a lighthearted tone, and by the end of it, it's this incredibly dark, just gut-wrenching, emotional <laughs> movie. And, and yeah. the whole thing just shifts, and it's like watching it on a spectrum as you go from you know minute one to minute you know hour and 52 or whatever mm-hmm. it is. That it becomes this entirely different thing where you're still rooting for who is essentially the bad guy. I mean, there's not really a good guy in the movie. You can you can root for um, for, baby for the less bad guy. He's still making a choice to yeah. do mm-hmm. it, right? Like to a certain extent, he's forced into it. But at the end, Kevin Spacey's character gives him the option: Do we go through with this final heist or not? And he says, "Yes, let's do it." So mm-hmm. he's an active participant in this. You can't completely write him off and say. Somebody's got a gun to his head. He's the victim here, but mm-hmm. you still feel like you're rooting for 
him as a good slash bad guy in some kind of way. But the whole thing with the story and the character evolution between uh, John Hamm's character is a great example of this, where at the beginning he's this sort of sympathetic character mm-hmm. when you juxtapose mm-hmm. him up against Jamie Foxx, who's one of those oh guys that, in this movie that you just love to hate. Oh, You're yeah. happy when that thing goes through him. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and you get to the end, and it's like now John Hamm becomes a more violent version of what Baby is. He's had everything taken away from him, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's fighting back in the only way that he's know, he knows how. He's got nothing mm-hmm. to lose. Right. Because yep. he's lost it all. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, there there was a point during watching it where I was like, where like you said, where where I was like, man, how, I was like, how did I get here? Like, how did we get to this? <laughs> <laughs> and and it, I don't I don't know if I was just like so into the movie, or 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 like if my mind had drifted for for a minute. But I was like, wait, how did we get here? How did mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. So well, and one of the other weird things that I, I saw was that it's very, if you look at the different heists that happen in the movie, because there's what like three or four of them, <laughs> that there's a um, kind of a structure to them, the way that the story is told, and it happens in a particular way, where at the very beginning you've got the car chase, and mm-hmm. then you know you've got him getting coffee to come back, and and everybody's sitting around talking with the payout, and, and what a brilliant scene kinda, that was, but we'll come back well, to yeah, it. And, Everything's going fine, but then every successive heist in that formula, something starts to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know whether then the, the second crew that comes in, which by the way, kudos to Flea from the Red oh Hot Chili gosh. Peppers, right? Yeah, having that that's got to be his best role since the Big Lebowski. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. yeah, but you know you have that heist where at the, the first one nobody gets hurt, right? Like they get into the bank, they get the money, they get out, yep. get away from the cops, everybody's fine. Then that second heist, you see that. The, the impact on baby of that security mm-hmm. guard who's laying there in a pool of blood. And oh, it's yeah. like, okay, there's now there's there's skin in the game here that wasn't there before. And it just continues to evolve where things go wrong with this formula until the very end when everything just falls apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, now going back to the coffee scene. <laughs> <laughs> Did I'm, I'm sure that the two of you picked up on it, but I can tell you that my wife picked up, or she didn't realize mm-hmm. that the words to Harlem Shuffle were like in the background. <laughs> yeah, that was really awesome cool stuff. It, that it, it took me, I think, the second or third time of watching it before I caught that. See, and and I'm a I've been a big fan of that song for a long time, just because you know those opening notes of Harlem Shuffle hit, and you're like, oh, this is House of Pain, jump around. Mm-hmm. And then it's not, and I, I love that, and so mm-hmm. I've been a big fan of that song for a long time, for other reasons too. But uh, so you know, I'm singing it in my head as the movie's going along, and then I'm seeing the words in the background, and so I was like, "Well, now that's clever." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I feel like with that, and then you look at some of the timing where you know we talked about this last time, where you've got those scenes where whether it's him flipping through the stacks of money to go along with the percussion of the song yep. or the guns going off. The guns, I feel yep. like you could you could go back and watch that movie 20 times, and you're going to find those little Easter eggs every single time. There's going to be something new that he buried in that story that you just didn't mm-hmm. notice 
and oh, yeah. you'll catch up. And that's what makes that that's a hallmark of a great movie to be able to go back and find something new and something intriguing about the way that the film is put together that you didn't notice before. Yeah, they they were talking and I can't remember one of the director's commentaries or whatever where you know that I was looking at, but you know Edgar Wright was basically saying that when he was making the movie he had the songs, and he backed the acting into the song. You know, hmm. so they were they were blocking the shots on set, knowing where he wanted them to hit in the music. And so, you know what That's what, cool. what looks fancy was, I mean, really just tedious to shoot. Yeah. Oh, I'm because, sure. Because you know, because the gunshots had to fire when the you know the, the drums hit, and if there was a slight misfire, then do it again. Go back and well, do it again. Like that like, first uh, shot, apparently when he went to get coffee, they did. Um, I think I saw they did like 28, 28 or thirty takes to get the <laughs> one that they used. It's crazy. You know, I've done some uh, stuff like that with the uh, shooting. Um, some music videos just for, you know, my band and stuff and trying to get things to sync up like that, just like little things in the background. That sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. like having to do it sucks. Like, even trying to get, like, you know, because, uh, you know, you're essentially just recording recording video and dropping out the audio and putting the audio in the background. Mm-hmm. And even trying to sync up, like, just simple singing <laughs> to the song Socks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, trying to get like other things to sync up and 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 work like that. I mean, I appreciated that on a whole, like on a whole different level. <laughs> like, I don't like a cinematog. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, this had to be a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's a that's an interesting research project. I want to go back and see who won the uh, the Oscar for editing, like film editing that year, and if it wasn't the the person that did Baby Driver, that's kind of a travesty. That's a really Actually, I might have that, question. Um, I might have that pulled up on Wikipedia. Um, let me see. Oh, man. Clay, Clay's going to give a, give a bad review here. That's the second podcast I've done it with you guys, and this is the second Wikipedia reference. <laughs> yeah, what the hell, guys? <laughs> um, Credi- they were nominated, the research they credibility of this group is going way down every it's single right. time. We, we don't claim they were nominated to, uh, but didn't win for film. Well, at least they were nominated. That's yeah. that's good. So, but they were nominated for best film editing, best sound editing, best mixing. Oh, Dunkirk won best film editing in 2018. Okay, I I can't really argue with that. Yeah, I mean, come on, military. Uh, what's your master's degree <laughs> yeah. in exactly? Military military history. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was something fancier than that. <laughs> hey, that's plenty fancy. Thank or if you it very was much. just military history. Oh, ouch. <laughs> no, no, that's I, not what I mean. It's you know, I, I didn't know if it had a longer title. Is my is my point? I don't mean to diminish. No, uh, that's fine. Your your substantial achievements, good sir. That's that's fine. <laughs> no, that was um, that, that's good competition though because um, I think anytime you're you're up against Christopher Nolan. In the editing in one of his movies, that's going to be a hard uh, that's going to be a hard award to take home. Yeah, you might just want to delay your movie a year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the The Detroit Film Critics Society did uh, vote it best use of music on that's December seventh, twenty seventeen. That's I, I don't know how like if there is actually an award for that. I I really don't know how 
you could make a compelling argument for any other film to win that movie that year. No, yeah. I don't think you can. I just what it did was it, it was it was such a unique thing to do. I mean, I there was music essentially through the whole thing, and wherever there wasn't music, there was tinnitus. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know what I mean. So it's interesting that you bring that up because that was actually something I keyed in on when I watched it earlier today. Mm-hmm. Was the way that that works. Because if you notice, almost every single time he doesn't have an iPod stuck in his ear, you hear that. And it's such a jarring sound to hear as a viewer that you start to realize, you you start to empathize with his level of discomfort, that that the level of music that he has to have all the time is so ingrained in his life that when he's taken away from it, it puts him out of his own element. And mm-hmm. I think they did a good job when they piped that in every time he didn't have his headphones in, that it makes you as the viewer feel the same pain that he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting. I also loved that the difference in volume in the music was different when he had both earbuds in versus when he had one mm-hmm. out, like in the coffee shop. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so great. <laughs> that's well that's that attention to detail though i mean yeah. to to go through that and painstakingly call out those changes and those edits that you have to make whether it's the sound levels whether it's the way that the cinematography is done that's i mean this was obviously a passion project for edgar wright and i i watched um on one of the special features it wasn't the commentary but it was a little vignette that they put in there and they talked a little bit about how much of a passion project this was for him mm-hmm. And how he really, it wasn't like he had this idea for a car chase movie and then he decided to really work the music part of it in. It was more the other way around. He really wanted to do a movie that was so closely ingrained with the soundtrack and this was the way that he was able to put that together. And I I don't remember how many years that they said that he was working on getting the script just right and getting all that in, uh, all that design work done, but it was not something that it was just like, oh, here's a script and we're going to, you know, release this a year and a half later. Yeah, I wrote that down because I looked at that too. Uh because one of the things I saw was where he had that he heard of the that he he knew the song the bell bottom bell bottoms and wanted to mm-hmm. put a car chase and bank robbery to it. It said that he had gotten the idea in 1994 and then he'd been basically noodling it around ever since. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so just trying to figure out like, hey, how do I do this? How do I make this right? And you know, I'm sure it had to have gone through tons of different iterations before it got there. But, I mean, here you've got a project that he's been working on for the better part of 25 years, finally kind of coming around. Uh, I mean, holy cow. I'm going to I'm gonna make the choice to not equate 1994 with 25 years yeah. ago in my <clears throat> mind. I'm just not going to think about that part. I work so. with millennials. I'm used to it. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel old every day at work. Mm-hmm. When the hell did that happen? Now, <laughs> one of the things that I was surprised about was how little money they made the movie with and how much it made. I mean, it made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Was, what, was the, what was the budget on it? Couldn't it, it, I mean, it couldn't have been all that much because it's not an, uh, an FX-heavy movie. Nope. It, uh, it made $226 million on a $34 million budget because wow. they did... They did all of their stuff practically. Mm-hmm. There was no yeah, there, CGI yeah. involved. Yeah, I was going to say, there was no... Yeah, there was no CGI or anything like that. No, so it was super cheap to make... I mean, $34 million is super cheap, but 
I mean, that's licensing the rights and paying the actors. I mean, you figure half that movie went to, or half that money went to John Hamm and Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Spacey, probably. And Kevin Spacey. Yeah, because that yeah. was before he had some issues that. Uh, well, I mean, they got to pay off. Slightly the, decreased his uh, his. My butt rate. still hurts from watching this movie with Kevin Spacey. Oh, <laughs> oh, <ouch. laughs> ouch. It's, it, it, it's hard though, and it, it's you know, the Kevin Spacey thing kind of ties it into the the previous topic with James Gunn. It's like you don't you don't make excuses for anybody, but it's hard to watch that and you realize exactly how good an actor Kevin Spacey is, but it's like, yeah, but you're kind of a scumbag too. And your talent in front of a camera doesn't wash that away. No, I had that issue. So, I mean, I was always, uh, I was always a huge Kevin Spacey fan. I mean, I was, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands. I mean, I was like, Ooh, Kevin Spacey's in it. I'm going to go see it. Usual suspects suspects is all time top 10. Great movie. Mm -hmm. That was a great movie. And, you know, I got caught up recently on House of Cards because I'm like, wait a second, they made a show just for me? Um, <laughs> and about and about halfway through, the allegations against him came out. And it was like, yeah, you know, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed because I always mm-hmm. liked him as an actor. Um, and in this movie, again, I mean, he was it was a good Kevin Spacey role. My wife hates Kevin Spacey, always thought he was a creep. Uh, now she ended up being proven right, I guess. But even she didn't mind him. Him being in this movie did not take anything away for her. Yeah, he's. It's hard because you look at guys like that and all of the different press that they're getting. And I think, at least for me, the natural next step is okay. If you start removing him from movies, who do you replace him with? Like thinking retroactively, and realistically, I cannot think of anybody who would play that role in Baby Driver better than he did. And I've gone through that exercise in my head, and I just cannot come up with anybody. And his character is so interesting, and it, it's you get this a lot. There's a, a couple of little bits of dialogue for, for Baby's character, for also his foster father's character, mm-hmm. and for John mm-hmm. Hamm's character, too, when they're sitting in the diner. But one of the things that I felt was really compelling about the way that they put the story together is you don't really have any character backstory of substance. Like you don't know <laughs> anything yeah. about these characters. It, like you get these little snippets for a couple of them, but it's only to fill in kind of the gaping holes if you don't address it in some way. But like Kevin Spacey's character, they call, I mean, his name is doc. He's obviously mm-hmm. really wealthy, drives a Mercedes, goes and eats at expensive restaurants. Like, who is this guy? Yeah. When he's, when he's not directing heists, He's not some two-bit criminal. Who is he and what does he do? But you don't know. It's one of those things that Wright leaves open to interpretation that you can create a narrative for that character however you want to and make him whatever you want to be. Like, is he actually a doctor? Like, right. he might be. You don't is he know. Is a professor? Is he, well, and, and you could say the same thing for, I mean, with the exception of, you know, you, you learn about Baby that he stole Doc's car at one point and he mm-hmm. can drive. Uh, and you get a little bit of his backstory, but you know his girlfriend. You don't get hardly any of her backstory. You get yeah. virtually no backstory in any of the other. Even you know John Hamm, who is probably one of the well, he's the biggest name in the movie and probably one of the biggest characters. You get very very little on what yeah. actually makes there's, him tick. You're essentially dropped little... in the middle of the story, and here you right. go. And that's it. There's there's that little snippet when they're sitting in the diner mm-hmm. where Jamie Foxx like somehow manages to piece together that he's like a fallen Wall Street guy who's, yeah. you know, trying to do whatever, and 
But is you don't really, I, you don't really, you get that backstory from Jamie Foxx, but you don't really understand how he managed to piece that together. Apparently, his that horrible character that he plays is a lot more insightful than you give him credit for because he was able to figure that out when nobody else could. But John Hamm also doesn't, he doesn't, um, he he never comes out and tells Jamie Foxx that he's right either. That's true. You know, he's like, well, there's a lot you don't know about me, and that's all he says. So yeah. he doesn't he doesn't affirm that what Jamie Fox has even said is true, which yeah he 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 can neither well he neither confirms nor denies it so yeah, yeah. but it, yep. it's the same thing with the Kevin Spacey character is he just Wright just leaves all that interpretation open to the viewer and the viewer can create their own backstory for all these characters because he's only giving them a couple of little breadcrumbs as to what makes these people tick. Yeah, it's 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 funny with like no information whatsoever. Like you feel like you know, like you feel like you know enough about these people, but really they tell you nothing. It's, <laughs> mm-hmm. Like yeah, you're, you're like I know. No- oh, go ahead. Like I, oh no, I can't. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even think of words to finish that. <laughs> yeah, you're given no information, but yet it never it never sticks out like it's missing anything either. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't bother you. But it's. It's funny because it doesn't bother you, and also to get that little information of any of the character backstories, but to have a movie like this that I would argue is largely a character-driven movie. It's not a plot-driven movie. No. It's driven by your... The the closest analog I'll get is um, before Guy Ritchie started to make bad movies, uh, his first two movies that were out, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch, those are movies where the, the character is king. Mm-hmm. The story is much less important than the relationship you build with the characters. And I'll give another example, being the the military history guy. I'm assuming at some point you guys have seen Band of Brothers mm-hmm. way back when. When they did, uh, about 10 years after HBO made Band of Brothers, they made that movie called The Pacific, which was essentially the same thing, except it was in a different theater of World War II. The mm-hmm. reason why I was never able to get into The Pacific as much is because cinematically I could not connect with the characters in that movie like I could in Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers was such a character-driven movie. Richie's early movies are like that, and Baby Driver's like that, too. You, it's a testament to his ability as a screenwriter and as a director that he can tell you nothing about these people but make you have such strong emotional connections with them, whether it's positive or negative. Your viewing experience, or at least mine was, is entirely driven by the relationship I feel to the characters as I'm watching them. And the plot's just secondary to that. Because it's a car chase. I mean, it's a heist movie. It's a car chase movie. It's not this brand new revolutionary, no. you know, plot device. It's, it's, it's been a done shoot a million times. bang em up movie. Right. Yeah. It's been done a million times, but you still can watch it and be immensely engaged by it because of the way he presents the characters. Well, there are very few movies that I feel the need to watch again, much less watch again in like four days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, I went to work and I started showing people that opening scene of the movie. You know, I went to our, I went to our, our facilities guy and was like, Mike, look, you got to look at this thing. This is awesome. And here, watch, boop. And I sat down and played it for him because I mean, it's just, you know, the movie is just it. It was it was it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I went and was like, hey. Honey, we gotta watch this. We gotta watch it. We gotta watch it. And she's like, "All right, let's watch it." I'm like, "Look how great that is." 
Yeah, I'm I'm trying to imagine another movie where the opening scene was that much like the pre the pre-title uh title or credit or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it scene is that engaging. And I um, I'm having a hard time thinking of one because that one just grabs you from the minute you get characters on the screen. Skyfall. Okay. James Bond Skyfall was like that for me because that's the one where they're in uh, Mexico City during Day of the Dead. No, that was Spectre. That was Spectre? Spectre, the yeah. last one. Um, yeah, that was good. But it was Bond movies are generally good like that though. They're they they're driven a lot by that pre credit scene. They are. Mm-hmm. Um and that one for me was since it was all done kind of in that one take, was just was just amazing. Um but other than that Oh, I mean, you're talking. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. No, I mean, I can't. Yeah, I, I mean, I I can't think of one. The only, only other one that pops into my mind, and it, this is fresh because I just finally got around to watching the sequel a couple of nights ago, was um, the really incredibly extended opening scene to the first Pacific Rim movie. I never saw Pacific Rim. I uh, you haven't want, seen you the extended watch the first one. Scene you can go ahead and pass on the second one. (laughs) Thanks for taking that bullet for us. There you go. Well, I I really can't believe they made a second one of those. It it was one of those where it's, that's a guilty pleasure movie for me where I I enjoy watching big giant robots fight, big giant monsters and smash (laughs) things up because I want to be able to turn my brain off every now and again. But it was a movie where from time to time. Yeah. There's in theory, you watch the first movie, you really like it. Yeah, there's some the acting's a little wooden at times, but it's like, oh, this is a really cool plot. You can really drive the story. And then it's, you know, it was what ten years until they made the sequel, and it's kind of like, oh, really? This is the best you could do in that much time. It's <laughs> the same reason Nick watches porn. Yeah, it's exactly like that. I can only see <laughs> so many people smashing up against each other for so long, and then I wait ten years, and I'm like, this is the best you could do with that. Yeah, just the, yeah. the plots just don't don't advance anymore. It's they just don't. They don't. They don't. Sorry, I mean, I, give, me, give me two girls in sure. one cup and just. I wanted to make wow. sure we were going to earn our explicit rating today. <laughs> you towing the line right there. Towing the line. Yep. Yep. <laughs> just walking it. Oh walking boy. It. no! It like, was uh, it, it was good. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you know. Certainly wasn't my intent when I brought up that in the last conversation about Guardians of the Galaxy to get an entire episode on this, but I'm glad we did. I mean, it was a great opportunity to pick that movie up and go back and watch it probably with a little more critical eye than I would have done mm-hmm. previously. So it, now, it's definitely other... worth it. And for anybody who just enjoys fine filmmaking, it's it's hard not to recommend it to anybody. Mm-hmm. One yeah. of the things that I, that I didn't pick up on until I was watching one of the special features after it or whatever was um, Edgar Wright was talking about the um, the collection of sunglasses and iPods that Baby has. And I didn't think anything about it either time I was watching the movie. But he doesn't, he's not actually purchasing those. He's getting them from the cars he's boosting. No. So he steals, steals the car. Oh. <laughs> he steals the car and gets the iPod and sunglasses out of the car, which is why he's got like a never-ending collection of both. Interesting. It's it's funny you mentioned the sunglasses because actually one of my one of the scenes I had to go back and watch three or four times just because it bothered me so much. After that first heist, when um, <laughs> what's the not John Hamm, the other John that's in there, that the guy Barenthal. from Barenthal. John Barenthal. Yeah. When 
like he takes baby's sunglasses and then <laughs> he goes, he turns around, yeah. and then baby puts the red ones on. <laughs> yep. He slaps them off his face, but he doesn't hit him. Yeah. And I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> That's not <laughs> easy to punish somebody's sunglasses yeah. off their face without actually making contact with them. Oh, that was hilarious, though. <laughs> And then he grabbed I saw him pair. in the background. I saw him in the background put him on. I was like, "That's fantastic!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. And then like the pink blinged iPod. As soon as I heard, like, "Oh, he gets them from the cars he steals." I'm like, "Oh, that's why he had a pink blinged out iPod." <laughs> so that actually makes sense because if you think about how unbelievably eclectic that soundtrack is, mm-hmm. that's how you account for that. Is that it's you know. How many dozen people's worth of iPods mm-hmm. that you get? Yep. I mean, the the last scene when they leave the diner after the uh, the big shootout with John Hamm's character, that they boost that those uh, the the two one of the gangbanger guys, yeah, and yeah. you got a young MC song playing on their iPod that doesn't really fit in with a lot of the other '60s stuff. That okay, that I didn't catch that, and that makes a great deal of sense. Mm-hmm. Is is the music is eclectic, and because he talked about with with his girly buddy about how he's like, oh, I have different iPods for different moods, mm-hmm. and it's not just that he's accumulated these things. That well, he's accumulated, but it's not it's not on purpose necessarily. It can be on just purely on accident that he's mm-hmm. oh, there's this song I found, and that would explain his his wide and varying music. Uh, selection and choices and preferences is because he's been exposed to so much different music since he was, you know, stealing cars since he was 12. And he grew up listening to other people's iPods, essentially. Mm-hmm. I well, that, that, that really makes sense because the iPod that his parents gave to him, like the old, for, like, Generation 1 the dinosaur G1, version, yeah. got destroyed in the car accident mm-hmm. that killed his parents. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I just thought that was really... Um, thought that was really interesting very yeah the other bizarre part about that is that every single time they or he goes into that diner to eat mm-hmm. it makes me want to go to a diner to eat and i don't know why it's not they don't even show food and i just see that like him sitting there in the diner drinking a cup of coffee and it's, i cool i, I want to be sitting in a diner drinking a cup of coffee right now and there's no reason for it but i do <laughs> because it, it harkens you back to a different time I guess That's it right. does. So I, uh, I I did find one um, one other interesting bit earlier today when I was looking up some stuff on IMDb for this that the actress who plays Deborah has actually been in a I don't I think it was a film production of Kenneth Branagh's Shakespeare Theater and they did a version of Romeo and Juliet but it's like one of the do you remember the Ethan Hawke Hamlet where it was like in modern times <laughs> Baz Luhrmann yeah. Yeah, they they did apparently a, a version of that in modern times, and she actually plays Juliet. So apparently she has that kind of unrequited love, whatever you want to call it, character down pretty well. Because that's if you think about that, she's not uh, not too far off that type of a role in Baby Driver. And even in the parking garage scene at the end, when John Hamm's on the, the PA from the police car, he's calling out for baby to come out and fight him but he's like quoting romeo from mm-hmm. shakespeare so now i thought that was kind of interesting so the fact that you recognized her from that credit and not her credit in downton abbey leads me to believe that you haven't seen downton abbey 
you know, I don't, and and you can judge me for that. I I have nothing against Downton Abbey. I just have not taken the. There there are many other shows I need to watch first. I'm still I'm still I'm just judging Bill for watching Downton Abbey. Yep, I enjoyed Downton Abbey as much as I like the Gilmore Girls. You judge me for it all you want. Um, yeah, I won't judge you for the first one, but the second one you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to work back for that one for me, bud. <laughs> that's, that's gonna be a hard one to recoup from. You know, sometimes the wife's got to be happy with TV too. But um, this is true. We watched Downton Abbey, and the actress that plays Deborah um, played Lady Rose, and she was kind of, um, you know, at the time, Downton Abbey set in the 1920s, and she was the young one who wanted to go and be part of the, the stuff going on in the city, and she was trapped between, like, them wanting to make her prim and proper and and her wanting to go to the clubs and date the black guy, or the black musician guy and stuff, and she was good in that. She was also in the live-action uh, Cinderella that Disney did that kind of Don't started work. off all... She was Cinderella. Um, that did started off all of their uh, Tarzan... Or not Tarzan. Uh, Jungle Book, The Lion King, mm-hmm. um, Beauty and the Beast, Beauty all the, the new live-action remakes that they're doing. She was in Cinderella, which is the one that came after Maleficent. So, in any yeah, case, when I- a good actress. When I watched the movie the first time, I actually was not a big fan of her. I, there was just something intangible about her role that I didn't really like. But the more I've watched it, I actually have grown to appreciate her as an actress quite a bit more. So mm-hmm. be interesting to see if she shows up in any other good roles moving forward. Yeah. Um, I can tell you the stuff that I've seen her in that I've been fortunate enough to she's She's been she done a nice job. She's been annoying, but the character was annoying at times, so... Nick, any other yes. comments? Uh, Present was fantastic. Huh? <laughs> no, oh, there was one other thing. I'm sorry. I, 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 no, I know we, you guys have got stuff to do, and we've got other stuff to worry about here too. But <laughs> did either of you guys watch the preview to this movie? No, no, I did not see the trailer. So, before we started watching the movie, I made my wife watch the trailer. So I had already watched the movie once, and I was like, oh, hey, let's watch Baby Driver. And she's like, well, I don't know. I was like, all right, let's watch the trailer. Just see what you think. The trailer is awful. The trailer is a horrible representation of the movie. Okay. Um, I, I mean, it essentially makes it look like this just bang, bang, heist movie which this is, but there was there was no um, the the trailer gave you no reason to believe that there would be any uh, character building at all. I mean, I watched the trailer and I'm just like, this this can't be the same movie that I watched. This just I'm like these are the same people, but this is not the movie. Interesting. I would encourage you guys check out the trailer. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. It's You watch enough of those things, and then you compare them to the movies, and you realize that that is an art form, I think, that doesn't get a lot of credit, is that it's really hard to take a minute and 40-some seconds worth of footage out of a movie or whatever it, uh, the, tr- the regular trailer time is and be able to accurately represent what you're going to see if you decide to shell out the money to go see the movie in the theater. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to, what you guys think about that, but... I can tell you that I did not think that the trailer was any way representative of the movie. Um, and I, I think that had you only seen the trailer, you may not even be willing to give the movie a chance. 
And that, that's interesting that you say that because if it did, I mean, would you say like two hundred some million dollars? Two twenty-seven, yeah. That if the trailer stunk that badly, that speaks to the power of word of mouth. That once you got people in there seeing the movie and talking to other people, if the trailer's not your primary marketing, there must have been a huge grassroots thing from people who actually saw the movie and said, "Oh no, no, yeah, this looks bad." When you see the the preview for it, but it's totally worth your time if you go see it. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I can only assume that some of the move, some of the movie's success was based off of the, you know, Rotten Tomatoes rating and uh, just goodwill toward Edgar Wright. But I can tell you from watching the tra- or it's people who saw the trailer and thought the trailer looked good and then enjoyed the movie. But I can tell you, I, I didn't like the trailer at all. Um, I'm have to check that out. That's I thought the movie was great. <laughs> That was definitely a good watch. It gives uh, I, I give it the two thumbs up uh, for whatever that's worth for your listeners who've only heard me now twice. But yep, well now they trust you it, more than Nick and I. So this, it, is, this is true. Take we it give for them whatever you will, but it's it's worth the hour and fifty two minutes of your time. Oh yeah, Big oh time. it's definitely definitely worth it. I think it's uh, I think it gets six thumbs up altogether from us, mm-hmm. and then a there seventh mystery one that belongs to that guy who's lurking behind Nick. Mm-hmm. Why does that guy keep showing up? It's it was there last time too. It's really weird. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> it's Halloween. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, um, I guess we can close up that discussion. You're right, Nick. I'm okay. It's, it's okay. gonna be fine. It's, it's all gonna, gonna be, be fine. <laughs> He's got to go a couple more lights on in his house. (laughs) I'm right with the Lord. We're okay. I die today. (laughs) I know where I'm going. (laughs) All right. On on that note, we can uh, can close this episode up. Uh, I think it'll be uh, exciting for everybody to join us again next week when we talk uh, all things Jack Ryan. Oh yes, yeah. So and Jeremy will be back, so you guys have that to look forward to. If you're just fans, I will. Jeremy. There's it, it is not possible for any kind of Jack Ryan discussion to happen without getting me involved. I mean, I have spent entirely too many hours pouring through multiple thousands of pages of those books to not yeah. uh, <laughs> put my two cents in on that. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited as as a, an avid reader of the books, watcher of the movies, with one exception, and um, enjoyer. Of the Amazon series, Uh, it's going to be a fun, fun conversation next time in episode ninety-six. So I encourage everybody to join us then. That's right. Anybody else to add? We're going to be nope. What? We're four away from a hundred. Yeah, four away from a hundred. Man, who's that coming? No pressure. Yeah, I do feel some pressure actually. (laughs) I think I feel more pressure to get to a hundred than I did to try to get past ten. Yep. I mean, we've set a goal. <laughs> reasonable. Now. Well, now we have to get there. So, anyway. Yeah. For episode 101, can we do a review of 101 Dalmatians? Not the animated one, though, the one with Jeff Daniels. Oh, <laughs> I think it might be sick that day. <laughs> that, is the, that is the solo Nick movie review for episode 101. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gentlemen, tell the fine people goodbye. Bye. Bye. Okay, good work, Jeremy. Okay, we're going to stop it. (laughs) 
what of the things that we've shared? What of all the, the sweet words that you spoke in private? Oh, uh, well... Well, that's just what we call pillow talk, baby. Thank you for listening to the Pillow Talk podcast. The theme song to Pillow Talk is Carrie Says All Right by The Hard Lessons. Find more information on them at thehardlessons.bandcamp.com. Visit us on the web at Local Flavors. I forgot. <laughs> at Local Flavors Productions.net. Thank you for listening to Pillow Talk. Pillow Talk! He's like, you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, what's it called? And I was like, the Pillow Talk Podcast. And he's like, okay. And he typed it in. He's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. You need to scroll. Well, you're you're closing in on episode 100. So if it's time for a uh, strategic rebranding, that might be a good opportunity to do it. Let me yeah, just, I, don't, I don't know. If we just released content a little more uh, frequently, we'd we'll be okay, probably, too. Yeah, we'll get above this. Uh, I always we'll tell people, it's like, okay, type in pillow talk and then scroll till you see the the little cartoon pillow. That's yeah, us. Yeah, I was, yeah. I have to show people the picture before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I'm like, this is what you're looking for. Pay attention to nothing else. There you go. <laughs> avoid, right. avoid all the rest. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because my boss wanted to listen to the podcast. <laughs> And That's where you just like, give them the direct feed to the RSS. Yeah. I was I was like, Jill, let me just give you this. And she's like, no, I'll search it. And I'm like, please don't. <laughs> just take the link. Be quiet just and take the link. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Here, Here's the direct link to the feed. This is what you're going to want. <laughs>